Welcome. You found the people of Chattanooga Podcast. I'm your host, Luke Swab. Today on the show, I have Wade Hinton. Wade was born and raised in Chattanooga's West Side by his single mother. He went to college at Emory University and law school at the University of Memphis. His resume is impressive as he has been the city's attorney, the deputy general counsel at Volkswagen, and vice president of inclusion and diversity at UNUM. Now he is setting his sights on running for mayor. As per usual, I try my hardest to get to know who Wade is as a person, and not just a mayoral candidate. As I believe every human has a story and is more than a job title or a list of achievements. So without further ado, I hope you enjoy my following conversation with Wade Hinton. Okay, and we are recording. I'm here with Wade Hinton. How you doing, Wade? I'm doing great, Luke. How's it going? Really good. Good. I heard a rumor that you're running for mayor. Uh, that rumor, I am confirming that rumor. It definitely is the case. I'm running for mayor. We're excited about it. That's and, awesome. Uh, yeah. Um, before we get to there, um, let's 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 do the backstory. Um, are you from Chattanooga? Yeah, uh, I am a Chattanooga native, born and raised. Uh, grew up in a part of town called the West Side. Uh, and uh, went to uh, elementary school there, four through six, and and then went on to CSAS uh, and off to college and law school. But I, I actually returned. Now it's been about twenty years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that you've been back. Been back about twenty years. What was it like growing up in that neighborhood? It was, uh, it, you know, it, it was awesome for me. I, I mean, I had uh, such, I mean, great friends. Uh, you, you know, I had everything I needed. Right, we we. Had a great rec center, right? The the school was there. I had neighbors that loved and supported me, and 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 uh, yeah, I think I had everything I needed. It I needed at that time, and and uh, so I, I I loved the experience growing up there. Yeah, that's great. Uh, what was Chattanooga like thirty years ago? Man, uh, that's tough, right? Because I think one of the things that I've realized, especially coming back as a uh, as a lawyer. Uh, now is that my experience is quite different from what I experienced as a child. And part of it was there were just certain parts of the community I just didn't know about. Right. I think people talk about, you know, two Chattanoogas. I've, I've kind of lived and seen them both. Right. I think it's, it is uh, one of those things where I I didn't know uh, what was, what was, what was happening. I I can say that, uh, you know, I do recall, uh, you know, especially being so close to downtown, uh, spending a lot of time downtown, uh, you know, to, to, with the department stores. I remember going to places with my mom down there. Uh, so you had a Sears and you had a JC Penney's and a Loveman's and all of those things as a, as a kid, uh, you know, certainly you saw some of those things begin to, to go away and businesses close. Uh, and I didn't really know what that meant, you know, growing up, what that, what that really meant, but, but certainly can appreciate now how there was a lot of just, you know, uh, challenges around downtown in some ways going dark, if you will. Uh, you know, what I would, what I can say is like during the time when I was off in college, uh, when the, the aquarium opened and then you start to see all of this investment happening and you can now appreciate how much effort and uh, just investment and everything else went into to making downtown what it is now. Still got some work to do, right? But but it is it is certainly different from from when it was when I grew up. Yeah, it's a lot different. Yeah. Um, what made you want to be a lawyer? 
Yes, that's a great question. Because I went to, when I went to, off to college, I was yeah. I was really for the most part pre med, right? So I I was uh, I was a chemistry and philosophy major, uh, and then I I ended up double major. I ended up deciding not to go to med school, so I I dropped the chemistry and just uh, stuck with philosophy. And and I'll, I'll tell you my initial. Uh, thoughts around going to law school happened when I was doing work uh, at, at Emory and uh, really working with uh, uh, bringing entertainment acts to the campus, right? So we would bring the Fugees and the Roots and these other places, the other major groups. And the more exposure I got to that, I was like, you know, and, and during that time, TLC, I think, was going through bankruptcy. There were You were hearing about all these artists not getting you know, paid or something was happening financially. I said, this, this goes back to, you know, those contracts. And, uh, and that, that, that just dawned on me. And I also had a fraternity brother who at that time, around that time was head, uh, head of legal for LaFace records, which was a big deal, uh, at, at that time, right. They were really, uh, turning out some of the, the main artists. And, and so having that exposure to him and, and that was actually the first, I mean, he was one of the first lawyers I actually had a chance to really meet period. Uh, that, that helped me think about, I, I should go and do entertainment law. Now, along the way, of course, I got exposure to other types of law, and, and uh, here I am now, but, but initially that was, that was one of the reasons why. That's a really interesting story. I, I wouldn't associate your passion for music um, being connected with why you became a lawyer. That's really cool. Yeah, so, so the thing is, I mean, I'm, I, I consider myself somewhat of a creative. I mean, I'm, I've, I've been, uh, you know, one of the things I I have it has been hard to watch at times is that we haven't seen as much uh, investment around the arts in schools, uh, and so I was exposed very early uh, around age nine or ten. I I, uh, I you know I, I was I initially needed an excuse to get out of class, but there was a class called strings, and I played something called a double bass, and I stuck with the bass from fourth all the way through high school. And uh, almost went to college. Uh, when I actually got into the Blair School of Music at Vanderbilt and was going to do that and just had a change of heart in terms of what I, I thought I would want to do in terms of the kind of uh, other challenges I wanted to take on. And so that's, that's why I ended up choosing Emory. But music has always been a part of, a part of my life. I mean, it's, 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 and even as I, you know, even during this, this, uh, this pandemic that we've been experiencing and a lot of the other challenges we've been facing over the past year, I've gone back to start playing the bass again a little bit, right? So to try to find that that uh, that that sense of calm and, and being centered. Are you playing the big bass, the one that's real tall? Yeah, that's, that's on the right. floor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah, great. Yeah. So I, pl- I grew up playing a lot of classical. Yeah. So I I wanted to this this past summer, uh, this past year, be really get into more jazz, and so I've been. Uh, experimenting a little bit with that and taking a few lessons and, and trying to get there. Do you yeah. have people you play with? No, not right now. Uh, and uh, I don't know if they would play with me right now. I'm still not that that great. But um, but it is. But it seriously, it is. It has been calming. And so even as I find those moments of just hey, there's a lot happening, uh, I, I go there and and uh, just find a find a time to relax with that. And can the bass be a solo instrument experience? Absolutely, mm. absolutely. And uh, you know, you, you can you will find both classical, but also just you know, there's some some. I mean, jazz, all kind. There, there are some some wonderful basses out there. Yeah. Now, how does philosophy play into this? How how 
how did you choose? When did you get interested in philosophy? Yeah, I don't, you know, I don't, you know, I took a course, and um, I think for me, and it really helps with the law because it, it helps me appreciate the various perspectives that people have, right? And even as I am, you know, I do work around inclusion and diversity, it helps me appreciate that even more that we have different worldviews and different approaches to things, and uh, that's helped me tremendously. Uh, in my in my work in both the legal profession as well as my my work in diversity and inclusion, and I I just was drawn to it, and uh, you know it's this this sense that we are, you know, continuing to learn about you know ourselves and 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 uh, you know continuing to sort of push ourselves to to learn more about each other. So it 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 uh, in in our perspectives and worldview. So for me, it's been it was it was it seemed to be a natural fit. I didn't really appreciate it then as much as I do now in terms of how I approach my work. Did you have any philosophy uh, teachers that kind of stand out who, I mean, I think a teacher can make all the difference in the world if a student is interested in the subject. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, I think about a, a Nick Foshan, uh who was down at Emory and uh, he ran a department and uh, he, I mean, he was, he was, he was pretty good, right? I mean, it, it, it uh, he was, he was one of those folks that, that certainly poured into me a bit. Um, and, but, you know, I, I will tell you this too, you know, b- being at a place like Emory, you have a lot of professors in different spaces that pour into you. And it's been real. it was, for me, it was a great, a great experience. And uh, some, uh, even years later, I, you know, I called on to ask for referrals or things like that, or I would just send a, send a note to check in. And uh, there are a few that I'm Facebook friends with. Uh, so it's good. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. Chemistry, yeah. You're, I mean, you're you're also interested in chemistry. Well, I not now, right? I, I don't. I'm, I'm less scientific now, okay. uh, but uh, you know, certainly uh, while I was at, while I was there at, at Emory, and then even before that, I you know at CSAS that we had certainly some advanced uh, advanced courses, and I, I was always drawn to science. And it's it's really interesting because it's the balance of the arts and sciences, right? CSAS, CSAS, and so. For for me, when I went uh, on to Emory, and and I, but I found that I really was drawn more to to law, um, and knowing I had a few more courses to to try to complete chemistry, I just I just decided that you know let me let me focus on some some things that could help me with my with with getting to law school and and uh, you know try to do some internships that would give me ex- more exposure to the entertainment industry and some things like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you you did get um you did go to law school in Memphis, correct? In Memphis, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Is it as hard as everyone makes it sound like? Is it really hard? It was it was uh it was not easy. Yeah, <laughs> it was not easy, man. Uh, so so first, you know, it was an interesting experience. My first year, and I didn't know this going in, right? So so my my first year, the year but the class ahead of us. Um, there were, I think, as I was told, there were 10 African-American males mm-hmm. in that class. I think all but like two or three got excluded from, you know, just for, for grades and things. And, and 10, 10 out of how many? I, 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 I think we had a, I want to say we had in our class 150 people. Mm, yeah, I think that yeah. might be right. It's been a while. But, but, you know, going in with that stat, that was scary. And it's not that I, you know, but, but it, it made me think about, well, what's happening here. And, uh, and so I, I, I worked hard, 
I, I mean, I worked really, really hard and it, it was, um, yeah, it was, it was, I, I just, I would, I would treat it like a job. And, uh, I, I fortunately had a classmate, uh, from Emory who was in med school at UT Memphis. And we would, we would treat it like a job in terms of our study. And I also uh, was very fortunate to, you know, become friends with some people that were really brilliant. Uh, I mean, one of my study buddies, I talked to him just about a week ago. I think he was number one or number two in our class. And so it was, it was, it was great, right. Just to be around, uh, folks that were, were driven like that. And so, but it, it was hard. Yeah. Yeah. I, be- yeah, I believe it. I couldn't never do that. Oh, <laughs> there's no yeah, you look bad. It's the thing that I find <laughs> no is, and then even, you know, you know uh, the, the, I have found that, you know, once you get in, you're in yeah. and you, you, you will, you will grind. You know it. You what, know was there a big dropout rate? I, I mean, I, I think I heard that there's a high dropout rate in, um, in law school, law school. You know, I, I, I don't remember it being a high dropout rate. Again, I think that that number I shared with you earlier in terms of just going from year to year, yeah. uh, that was a scary stat. Right. But I, I don't, right. I, I can't recall whether there was a, a significant dropout, um, going from, you know, but for, really the first year is, it's pretty tough, right? You you make you make that adjustment. Mm-hmm. Second year is probably the hardest, I think, right? Because it's you now understand how law school works, and the course is a little bit more challenging. Yeah. Uh, but 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 then by the time you get to your third year, really it ends up being about you know where you're gonna work and all those things. The, the only thing I know about law is what I read from John Grissom, and uh, oh, yeah, yeah, I don't know yeah. if that's any accurate. But um, what was your first job outside of law school? Were you a paralegal or how does, where do you go from there? Yeah. So I actually, my first job, uh, as a lawyer was here in Chattanooga at a firm at the time it was Shoemaker and Thompson. And it was a, um, it wasn't a large firm when you think about like the big law, but it was a good mid-sized firm. It was great for me, uh, to start. And, uh, you know, one of our biggest clients was CBL. And, uh, you know, we had some other great clients as well around the, around the, the city and, and, uh, ultimately, uh, you know, that, that firm ended up, there was a merger at some point, And, and I think a lot of the lawyers now are at a, at a firm called Hush Blackwell, which is a very large firm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, and you also were the city's attorney for a while, correct? That's right. Um, what made you want to do that job? And, and what is a city, what does a city attorney do? Yeah, yeah. So uh, that's a great question, Luke. So I, before that, I was in-house at Volkswagen. I was the lead counsel out there for uh, a few years. And I had some great, it was a great organization, had a great experience and really loved the work. Uh, I, when, when Mayor Burke won, uh, the, we became mayor. I, I was co-chair of his transition team. And one of the things I, I, I saw was I could really bring some of that experience of, you know, looking at, you know, I was in-house, right? I could bring some of that experience to the legal department at the city. And, uh, you with know. Your, with your background with my Volkswagen. Background. Yeah, my yeah. background. Well, part of it was, you know, I was, what I was really under better understanding is, you know, I think people look at lawyers as, as hey, go solve this issue for us. And, you know, I, I, I understood or better understood the importance of partnership, right? So instead of saying, you know, waiting to your, your client, your internal client, if you will, uh, comes to you and says, hey, I have this problem, what you want to do is really start thinking about 
thinking about your client in a way that, that says, hey, I, I saw this article or I saw this this research or I saw this and I thought of you here. Maybe I, I know you've been addressed dealing with this particular issue. Let's talk about how we proactively can can make sure that we address this. And, and or let's let's think about even as we solve this problem, let's try to think long term about how we we reduce the, the risks of this happening again. And so it and so I think taking that mindset of we're, we're more than just sort of, a, you know, we, we have good ideas or right? we, we, we solve problems, certainly, but we also have good ideas and good thoughts and can be creative and strategic thought partners. Right? I think that is the, what I wanted to bring to the to the office, um, in addition to uh, just, you know, looking at structure and all of those things as well. So that that's that's what we did. And. Can, do you have yeah. an do you have an exact um an exact example of a project that you worked at um where you brought these skills to the table and and how it w- works out? Yeah, sure. So I mean, I'll give you uh, you know just one coming in. Uh, one small thing I, I I did notice was and let me say this: it was we have a great as a great team of professionals at the office of city attorney. I mean, it is. I was impressed by their commitment and trying to get it right. And I, I, I loved, I loved that. And uh, so, I, but one thing I did notice as, as, as I went in was that uh, it was, it really wasn't as, you know, structured in terms of the uh, attorneys being assigned to a particular department. So if you were the department of transportation, you know, it, it, it felt like you could have an attorney to do this particular set of work and a, another attorney to do another set of work versus someone being your actual assigned attorney. So what I, I did was early on was I began to assign attorneys to particular departments so that one becomes essentially the general counsel for the Department of Transportation or Public Works or police. And what that allowed them to do is really meet with them on a regular basis uh, sort of understand what things are, uh, so they could again be those stall partners, and that and that was a that made it a little bit more seamless uh, for for the communication and the kind of work that needed to, needed to flow. Is that, that no? That makes yeah, sense. Yeah. So, um, um, basically, you're the head attorney for the the city, yeah. and then there's multiple other attorneys. That's right, and, and you assign them to different kind of leadership roles, positions. How many attorneys work? at the city oh man i think six, six uh, i think yeah. six uh, i think six total uh and then we had some great uh staff there as well team members as well that did things i mean one of the things that you know i we also ha- handled open records and uh title six compliance some other mm-hmm. com- compliance as well uh but one of the things we, we really you know you talk about trying to do things differently when i w- arrived uh, there, you know, from open records requests is, you know, like Freedom of Informa- Information Act on a local level, you know, people would ask for documents or emails or just information related to get that, that city business. And the way you did that was you either sent an email and making a request or you came in and fill out a form. And the way you receive that is you would you would come down and pay cash or check for for these documents and you know we we figured out a different way of doing it so if you want an open records request now you can literally go on your phone mm-hmm. you could you could uh create an account request it uh you'll get 
you know, an updated, some updates quickly in terms of responses and where, where they are in, in the process. Uh, and, but then once you're done, you could pay over the phone and download it to your phone. Right. I mean, mm -hmm. that's just trying to make, and it also made it easier for city employees as well. Right. Instead of sending, um, all of this information via a CD, yeah. <laughs> through, well, you can now just upload it into the platform that we, we invested in. And, and, uh, ultimately that's, that, that made it a lot easier for, for taxpayers, uh, more efficient for, for employees at the city. And I think long-term it'll, one of the things we wanted to do was to even over a certain amount of time have even those requ certain requests just be made public. Right. So it just, it, it just makes it, you don't have to actually do a formal request. You can yeah. go to the archive and find things. Yeah. You made yeah. a pretty much made an online database. Yeah. It's easier yeah. accessible. Yeah. Um, What's the, on a technicality level, what's the difference between a lawyer and an attorney? Is there a difference? Not, 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 okay. not really. Yeah. It's just, yeah. you're kind of sitting there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, lawyers, a lot of people, uh, myself included, associate with going to court and everything, but yeah. it sounds like um, you're doing a little more the opposite. Um, you're just making clean contracts so you don't have to go to court. It <laughs> sounds like. Well, you know, look, we, we still had to go to court, right? I mean, mm -hmm. we, we had a, we had a, uh, a litigation. I mean, so some of these lawyers were, you know, we have a small, had a small team, right? But some of the lawyers definitely were focused more on litigation, right? Because the city did get sued mm -hmm. uh, at times and or the city needed to sort of enforce things as well. Right. We we uh, so we we would have to do that as well in terms when, of enforcing ordinances. When the city got sued, can you walk us through that story? No, we get sued. The city got sued all the all time. The time. It's, it's always a who's, matter. Who's it, suing the city? Well, it could be a, a number of folks. Right. It could be that you have a uh, person who is in a contract with the city and says you're in breach of this contract and you want to you want to sue. It could be a person that is gotten to an accident with, uh, let's say, a, a some uh, a city owned vehicle. Uh, and yeah. and wants to sue and oh, and so it, it's a it's a wide range. Yeah, could be an employee who works for feels the city. Like, works for the city yeah. that 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 says, hey, someone uh, treated me unfairly and maybe discriminated against me, and so that too could be a suit that's brought. Uh, but there's a wide range of issues, and so we it uh, we work to try to reduce the number of claims if as possible, right over time and. Part of that goes to what I mentioned earlier, which is, you know, if you can have some good thought partnership, right, on an early, you can you can sort of get a sense of what's happening in the departments, uh, the kinds of agreements, right, can can help uh, if they're good agreements. And, and even if, I will say, this, even if you have the best agreements, people will still sue, right? Uh, but 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 if you, you have, to, hopefully you can work out some things where it reduces or mitigates the risk of being sued. Um, and being brought into brought into court, um, would some would people sue the city because they think they have big pockets and like oh I can make a quick buck, or did you have to yeah. filter through a lot of that, or are they fairly legitimate for the most part? Or you get you get a mix, right? You get a mix. I mean, uh, for the most part, I think you know there there's also there are certain rules of, of, of you know ethical rules as well. If you bring in a claim, it needs to have some merit, and mm -hmm. uh, there are there are things you can do under the rules of civil procedure to, to make sure that if there is a claim brought that, you know, you can try to uh, make sure that, you know, that person pays for certain fees and things like that. Right. But, but, um, but for the most part, I mean, the, the cases that were brought, they, they, they seem to have some merit to them. Mm -hmm. uh, but you, you, every once in a while you get a claim that, uh, or a, a letter saying you should pay me 
I mean, I can't remember what it was. Someone asked for like twenty, thirty million dollars or something like that, and uh, yeah. so it was, it was, it was not a, it was, not, it was not a legitimate claim. But, uh, but yeah, we 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 got it all. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. What what was kind of the most common? Um, did you have like tripping on sidewalks or getting hit by buses or like what's the kind of? Yeah. So, uh, so so we had a little of those, right? I think so. We, we also handled claims within. The, the office of the city attorney. So uh, if you had, you know, someone who, yeah, tripped on the sidewalks uh, and, and, you know, we had notice, it was a reasonable notice. So if let's just say someone told us about this sidewalk being, you know, in a, in a, you know, uh, you know 20 times and uh, we, you know, we weren't able to, to go out and address something, then I think, you know, that one would argue that we had notice, right? And so we get claims around that and, Depending on if we had, you know, if it was reasonable or not, if we we failed to act, then we we could pay that out through our claims our claims uh, 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 area. You know, I'm I'm from Michigan, and we have to shovel our the homeowners, or if you rent, you have to shovel your own sidewalks, mm-hmm. even though the city owns the sidewalks, mm-hmm. and you're allowed, I believe, 24 hours from when it snows. Mm-hmm. Um, and it hardly ever snows here in Chattanooga but sometimes it does sometimes it does yeah what what happens if you if you slip oh. on on the Walnut Street bridge oh man uh so i first you know it, it i think it's going to depend on a lot of a lot of different factors but uh you know I, I, I we also want people i mean it's also a degree of reasonableness that we have to yeah. take as as individuals it's, right? it's like when it snows here it's almost like an act of god it's like not normal well, well not. I, I think part of that too is like if you know if if you're if you see that as as iced up yeah. right it, it you know we we there's a little little common sense that comes into that but Absolutely. i think but i think it you know i think it depends on whether again I, I think you have to always look at what's reasonable in terms of whether the city could act and uh and and that's you know that's also for businesses as well uh there's this this negligence piece whether it's reasonable mm-hmm. um uh in terms of whether we you know something could have been done to address address the issue if you know so i think all of that uh, there's so many factors that go into sure. to this and uh we we uh there's a lot of case law that sometimes guides this right sometimes it's it's uh you know some things that might be written in law but 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 oftentimes we we do look at you know what's the precedent. Yeah, the case laws are precedent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, did you did you get to uh, live your dream of um, doing some contract law for in the entertainment industry? I, you know, I did do some entertainment law when I uh, I had my own firm with a few friends for a few years and you uh, had I your did, own firm. I, yeah, I did. I did, and so we and I did do some some contract law and and uh, so yeah, it was it was you know it was it was one of those things where. Um, you, you know, I, I, you know, I think for me to have to really do that, sustain it, I would have had to maybe get into a different city. Uh, so, sure, and, and that smart. friends in Atlanta who have, yeah. have gone off to do some, some amazing things. Uh, I was talking to someone last week. He's representing a good number of entertainment, uh, entertainers yeah. uh, as well. And so now I've, I've, I've had friends who were doing some significant some, some representing some some major artists. Did do you have? Did you? Who was the biggest artist? You? I, I didn't do anyone big here. No. I mean, I mean, it, some some sort of like uh, here I did right. I mean, and, and so we we had some great producers here, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, you know, I I definitely was on the other side of some folks who've been in the game a little bit. Yeah. And uh, but no, I mean, our you know, I I think uh, it, you know the nicest compliment that he this one had one artist I represented. They were on Facebook. Uh, not long ago and 
uh, he, he was, I was not a part of the conversation, but I saw what he posted and he talked about how this attorney from, you know, New York and had seen my work and was like that. It was, you know, great work. And, and so I, I think, you know, I just, it, it was, you know, I, I love doing the, the work, but I think ultimately long-term for me to have to really do that, I would have had to be in a, uh, be a different, you know, Atlanta or yeah. maybe Na- Nashville, you know, obviously is becoming, or is a, uh, a great, uh, a great place for entertainment and lawyers as well. You yeah. Know? Yeah. All right. Um, Oh, I'm, lo- I'm looking at my notes here. Um, you went to tell me about your time in Budapest, Hungary. Yeah. Yeah, you went. You studied there for a little while. Yeah, not long, but yeah, I, I went there during between my second and third year of law school, and in the summer, in the summer, mm-hmm. and it was amazing. It mm-hmm. was absolutely amazing, and uh, you know, I I didn't. You take a couple classes. I, I took some classes around just, international, like human rights and some uh-huh. civil rights courses, and what what you know, it was a couple of things. One, it was a great university, Central European University, um, and what I found to be interesting was the appreciation. I had a better appreciation for just our efforts. And part of that came from, I mean, our, our just our legal history and our and the things that we, and part of that came from listening to, because I was taking courses with folks from Estonia and, and, you know, Germany, some other places, and just their appreciation of our case. I mean, just, it, it, it was just, it was amazing to watch. And it's, it's, does it, does America have a good reputation for our legal system? Well, for the most part, right? Yes, we do. I think, but I, I, I think, but it's really different from other places. And so, um, we have something that is, so for, not to get too, but we have something called concrete review where a lot of other places have abstract review. And, you know, we actually have to have a, a matter that is, gotten to a place where there's an actual issue that this is ripe, right? It, it is actually uh, a, an actual matter that has impacted before it actually comes before a court to be reviewed. Whereas in some other places um, you can, you can have, it doesn't ha- some places it didn't have to be, didn't have to get to that, that place. It didn't have to be ripe, if you will, before they're reviewed. So our systems can be different, but I think there's still an appreciation of, of some of the, uh, rulings and, and things that uh, have, have happened. And um, again, I, I think, or the importance of some of those rulings, I, I think for, for, for me, it, it, it gave me a, you know, again, I, it was, I learned a lot during that, that time, right? I think one, it, it, it really shifted my worldview, right? I think one, I, again, as I said, I, I better appreciated our, so does our system, but, but, but at the same time, well, and at the same time, it it made me understand our role a little bit more in the world, mm-hmm. right? America's America's role, role in the world, yeah. because you know you, yeah. you're 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 when you're uh, when you're home and you're just looking out your window, everything's you're at home, right? You're when in your you're, bubble. That's right, you're in a bubble. Yeah. And so once, and it's not this is not to say I, I wasn't you know reading things, like, you know, but 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 I think having conversations with Hungarians and folks from different parts, I, I think it just made me appreciate. Uh, well, how they they saw some of us and uh, our 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 role and and uh, you know and and the other side of this was uh, the other part of this rather is while there I saw the influence our culture had mm-hmm. uh, outside of the U.S. even more right so I'm you know if you can remember I think this was you know this had to be late late nineties. 
uh, almost 2000 or you know, late 90s. And, you know, you know, this 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 you know, Hungary was it almost looked Americanized in some places. Right. It, it I was like, wow, this is here. Are these uh, U.S. restaurants and popping up and. I don't know. I just it just it felt it 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 just I had a different perception going into it, um, yeah. and then and what I realized there, and it was just again it was amazing. It was beautiful. Um, was that your first um, experience outside of America? It. I'm trying to think it, if it was. Um, I think it. I think it was. I think it was. I think. Uh, I think it was. It was. It sound, It reminds me of your interest for philosophy, because you mentioned earlier in philosophy, it's it's nice to see how people have different worldviews and think. And when you see when you travel in other countries, you can really appreciate other ways of thinking. And um, I think everybody should travel to other countries because, yeah. as an American, you can definitely get in your bubble and think this is all there is, but there's other ways to think and there's other good ways to think. And, um, there's no better way to do it. I don't know how you can learn that without stepping on a different country's soil. Um, and I also think it's very interesting how in Hungary you saw a lot of American influence. Um, because we do influence lots of countries in the world, but in America, I'm not aware of much, influence from Hungary and maybe maybe we have it but um it's just not I'm not seeing Hungarian restaurants you know all over the place yeah I think you know obviously depends on where you I mean like I think it it depends on where you are right I think uh you know uh different parts of the country might have different Mm -hmm. uh uh, ethnic uh and cultural uh influences uh showing up and in the big and, city, and, and, and it, maybe some of the larger cities, and, and then there are some pockets that. So it, it was right, fun. and you yeah. did go to the big city, so I mean, yeah. and yeah, so of course there's going to be more influence in the big city, yeah. and and maybe in the small cities in Hungary, a Chattanooga sized city, you're not going to see. It, it might not be that, might not right. Be. Yeah, yeah, and then and then I mean, and then I think in the U.S. again, it, it you might see a uh, U.S. You'll see some pockets where there's a lot of influence yeah, of certain of groups, and 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 and, and so I think. Uh, but, but yeah, I think you're, you're right. It, that I, I certainly encourage, I would encourage everyone to to try to get out and, mm-hmm. and travel as, as much, but I also and, appreciate, here's the thing. I also appreciate that it was a privilege for me to do that. Right. Oh, I yeah. think, I mean, I, I was, I, I don't take the, that lightly. It's one of those things where, you know, it, it's, I felt like this was a, this was a great opportunity to advance my learning. Um, uh, and, uh, and my, you know, really try to get some exposure and it, it was everything I, I thought it would be more. In fact, it ended up influencing me just other programs I did after that. Even, you know, I would say even over time, I, my, my going to Volkswagen, right. I think all of those things made a difference, uh, for me and, uh, but but that but that trip certainly was was influenced. But I definitely would encourage folks to travel. The other thing, though, I would say though, Luke, is what's really a driver of you know opening one's mind and perspective and and just shifting that is just at times just sitting down and talking to folks too. Absolutely. I mean, you've got I, you've got to do that. And I think you don't have to fly to Europe to do that. You don't you, have to fly to Europe. To do that. We we can do that right here in That's our right. own city. Yep. 
right yeah. start in our city but um even if you want to travel different parts in america we're all different you go to hawaii yeah culture in hawaii is vastly different than culture in northern michigan yeah. um go go to some of these remote villages in in um in alaska um widely different culture you know it's yeah. it's crazy we have like we are one america but um we're basically like a like a whole bunch of tiny little countries inside our own country it's it's crazy the vast amount of different ideas and culture and variety we have in america it's crazy well look we in the, the the thing i would say too is you know even within our own community in our own city right yeah. we we we're we are certainly diverse here and uh, you talk about, well, you know, we may not have a bunch of Hungarian restaurants, but I went and got something from a, a Bosnian restaurant the other day. I've went where and is got, it, where is it, that it's, at? It's off of, off of Ring Old Road. Okay. Uh, it's a place called Tazas that my neighbor told me about. So, I mean, there are a couple of, you know, there are some, some, there is some diversity here, right? I mean, we mm-hmm. are, we are, we're beginning to see, uh, you know, uh, we, we've seen, a lot of the influence uh, after Volkswagen arrived, right? More yep. uh, you know, German restaurants, some other things that are that are coming up. So I, I think appreciating uh, the fact that we have some diversity here, and I think really sitting down with people, as you said, just just having a conversation, and uh, even at my work in diversity and inclusion, I found that to be really one of the most impactful things that one could do for your personal inclusion journey. But I think also as organizations, I would always encourage organizations that are starting this journey around creating some kind of diversity or an inclusion program to take a moment to actually sit and talk with your team about, all right, what does inclusion mean to you? Mm-hmm. What does, uh, if you, what, you know, what does belonging, define belonging to me, that sense of belonging that, that allows you to feel uh, like you're part of the team, uh, that uh, you, you feel you know, to have that psychological safety to share ideas, thoughts, feedback that might not be great in terms of like, hey, this is not a great idea and call folks out on it. I mean, but you got to have you got to feel like you're connected. So I think part of that comes with having those conversations and creating that sense of safe space for folks. Yeah. And because currently right now you're the uh, VP of. In, no, no, I'm not in. So I, I left Unum to actually run for office, and so yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. So this, this was this. Hey, look, so this is. I'm committed to to making sure that uh, this approach around including others, and making sure that everyone feels like they're connected. Yeah. Uh, and so it may not be that we're talking from an organizational perspective. We're really talking about from a community perspective that people feel like they you know, have that sense of belonging that this is their city. And, you know, we're taking that message and uh, but also it's, you know, the business case that the organizations use around diversity that, you know, essentially when you can create an inclusive space, it impacts the bottom line. That's the same situation here for our community. Right. When we know that we're uh, making positive change and impact and and, uh, creating opportunity and access for everyone overall the community as a whole will benefit from that i mean we 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 know that um when you think about challenges of finding uh, the workforce or you're, you're thinking about um other particular issues right this this these are the things that we've got to make sure we're mindful of when we're we're trying to 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 again encourage folks to get engaged but also have services that are going to be supportive and helping helping folks uh you know 
access opportunity in the, in the community. Was, um, was you going to um, law school in Memphis when you were mentioning there was only 10 African-Americans um, out of that group, about 150, was that uh, a huge defining moment in your, your, your passion and what you wanted to do with your work going into inclusion and diversity? Uh, yeah, yeah, was yeah, that? Yeah. Uh, so, so I'm going to make sure. So the, when I was saying is there were that class ahead of me, there were yeah. 10 African-American males yeah. and eight of them didn't come back. Right. Okay. So that next year. So, uh, that to me was a signal of all right. Let's what's going on here. Let me let me yeah. get make sure we're, I'm I'm working hard and 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 addressing uh, that. So I think for me, my coming back home, though, uh, was directly related to feeling like there was a lot of change happening in the community. Um, I didn't have a lot of exposure and didn't see visibly a lot of representation of folks of color and, and women uh, in, in leadership roles to, to, at you know, some of the larger organizations. And so, you know, it, 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 you know we had a couple of, of women that were running some, some things like SunTrust. I think about Margaret Callahan and a few others who were, were doing some things, but it, it still felt like there wasn't, it didn't reflect the diversity of our community, which, you know, we, we have, uh, so for me, this has really been about how do I, not only work to make sure there's representation, but that the representation is given voice and the, that voice and those ideas are part of moving the needle. And there's uh, a so, difference between representation and voice. It's hundred percent. I understand. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, because people talk about diversity and inclusion, like they're yeah. interchangeable and that there really isn't. I mean, it really ends up being, Hey, diversity is around, thinking about representation and numbers and, and that's important, right? You want to have that reflected, but at the, and, and at the same time, uh, it's important that when people are at the table, that they can be their authentic selves. They can be who they are because you're not going to get the benefit of the diversity. If some people don't, if someone doesn't feel included, sure, right? So that, that really is, is, uh, what we want to try to try to talk about and, and how we do work here. And I think, uh, we have a, business community and nonprofit community and, 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 and just overall community that I think right now that's leaning in to try to uh, make sure that that's happening. Yeah. Now, um, my notes might be a little wrong because yeah. you're no longer uh, working at, UNUM, but um, I have something in here about uh, you were in a group of the 40 best advocates and business leaders under the age of 40. Yeah. That feels like a long time ago now. But it is a that sounds like a pretty big accomplishment on the resume. Can you talk about that and how you got included in this uh, prestigious? Uh, I, is it an award or? Yeah, so it was the National Bar Association, which is mm -hmm. the oldest African American bar association in the, in the country. Uh, they had a nomination process. Someone nominated me, and uh, I, I was very blessed to to be uh, to receive that award and uh, the recognition. And uh, you know, I it, you know. It it was uh, it's a good group of folks. I yeah, uh, we'll we'll look up and see someone else who's been listed on that that same class. But it's been it's been great. I mean, I've been you know the, the National Bar Association uh, is is a is awesome organization for just 
resources and networking and uh, some some fantastic leadership that that has come out of the come out of the group. And so I was really honored to be recognized. Yeah. Well, congratulations. Yeah. That thanks. Quite hey. the accomplishment. Yeah. yeah. Um, so now you're running for mayor full time. Full time. Um, you're not no part time jobs. Just full time. Man, I'm I'm full time. I mean, I I can't even call what I was going to say part time job. And jokingly, is just you know I'm a father of a four year old, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, but that's not part time. So <laughs> uh, I'm waiting on any minute now. I might get a call. She she uh, she said she was not feeling well this morning. So in any moment now, I might get a call to go pick her up. Yeah. So uh, we'll okay. we'll see. Yeah. yeah. You got your pager with you. I got my pager. Yeah. Old school. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. what what do you uh, what do you like to do if you have any free time? What do you do for fun? Do you yeah. do you have any hobbies? Sports? Did you do any sports in high school or yeah. college? Hobbies, I remember those. Yeah, uh, yeah, they're uh, important. They're, those important. You no, they, need to they, not forget them. That you need not forget them. I, I think the base for me was a good reminder of saying, "Let me go back to do something." Yeah, I, you know. So I, I have. Yeah, I did play sports in in high school, like basketball and track, and um, and up. You know, right before I started Unum, even a little bit before after I started, I was doing CrossFit. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I mean, it was a good outlet and I, I've, I've run a couple of half marathons uh, but you know but but I have been I think this last year for a lot of people it has been really tough right yes. I think trying to uh, find that bal- that right balance because for a couple of folks especially um, and I, and I know again you have it's, it's been it's been hard because you have uh, some folks are balancing you know, some of the issues around child care and caregiving, uh, they're trying to, they, 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 they still have, you know, they're working hard. Right. And, and some folks who are working at home, uh, they, they've gone from sort of working at home to living at work. Yeah. So it's, it's hard to figure oh. out where you draw the line. It's a fantastic statement. And, and so it, it's a, it's a tough, it's, it's been, so I think what it has been hard just to make sure you find that time for self care, which I encourage others. So, uh, I give you. I was on a on a call with a buddy last night, and uh, you know, he was out walking, and he encouraged. I mean, and I just inspired me to go walk at the same time. So I just those small things matter. Um, but but I get right to the heart of your question. I, I love playing golf. I I, I love working out. Uh, I, for me, it's really now finding some some time to do it. Um, I'm a I'm an avid reader. I also what, what do you read? I mostly nonfiction. I mean, so I love reading books around leadership. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, things that could uh, also help me in terms of my, my, how I look at inclusion, how I look yeah. at uh, just des- decisions, all, all of those things. Well, the policy sometimes are things are that, that, that come into play. But really, um, you know, you know, I, I, I'm a, you know, while I, cons- I consider myself a, a DNI, a diversity and inclusion, practitioner not an expert because we're always and constantly learning and always trying to to get get better get better at that and uh, I like that that's yeah. very humble for you to say I, I, I like and that's how pretty much everyone should be yeah. you shouldn't call yourself an expert you should just uh, always be learning well you should always be I mean I think the thing about leadership practicing there's always I mean leadership there you should I mean you you you, you have to continue to get better part of that Though is appreciate you know being vulnerable enough um, as a leader mm-hmm. to say I don't know it all, and and if you can if you can do that, 
that actually creates space for others to share their ideas and to, to be, again, that, that cycle, that, that, that safe space for people to sort of step in. And, and if you can maybe help people feel like, or not even help, but just create a space where people feel like you're doing it with them instead of to them, it, it, it really creates a more sustainable uh, kind of uh, approach to, to things. And, and that's just how I, that's how I lead. Yeah. Uh, but, but I think it, it is, uh, it's important to, to say, I, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I mean, this is not to say, you know, you, you, you I, I certainly am knowledgeable of some things, but, but I think making sure that you're vulnerable enough to at times say, you know, I, I, I you know, what, what do you think about this? And, or, well, no one wants to be friends with a know-it-all. That's no, right. That, yeah. That's, that's right. So you, yeah, you gotta be humble. And if you know something, you do know it, but if, but if you don't, that's, that's also fine. That's, that's, yeah. that's right. It, it, it's your, you're aiming to, to learn everything that you yeah. can. Yeah. That's, that's a goal. And I really like that you read books and is there a couple, uh, books that you would recommend? Yeah. So, I mean, one, one book, uh, I mean, I, I, I love, uh, the book fearless organizations, uh, by Amy Edmondson. Uh, to me, it, that really is a book about creating psychological safety. So, you know, we're, especially now, right? Because it, it, it talks about the fact that there's changes constant. That's, we know that it's, it is happening, but you've got to be transparent enough with people about the fact that it's real so that, you know, they feel like this is, uh, they, they, they appreciate it, they recognize it. And um, by, by doing that, uh, you're also creating space for them to either, you know, sort of to, to be present in it. Right. Um, and that that helps, uh, I think, especially right right around now with everything that's happening, especially with the with the pandemic. We organizations are going through a lot of change and uh, which gets me to another book that I would recommend, which is called Mindset by Carol Dweck. Uh, it really talks about the growth mindset versus fixed mindset and where you where you really want to try to find yourself is this, is this growth mindset approach. Right. Because for that, you're you're you're, you're not so. I would say stuck in many ways. I was stuck in your particular uh, way of thinking, right? You're you're open mm-hmm. uh, to change and and uh, open to ideas and feedback and all of those things when you have the growth mindset. Well, the the pandemic has been the prime example of that because um, you just look around and see what businesses and companies have um, been able to survive, and it's it's the only the ones with the growth mindset, the, the ones that can. Um, make some adaptations quickly yeah. um, and the ones that are stubborn to change their way they're doing things. And might- well, I, I don't know. I think, I think, look, I think this is, this is, yeah, I've had some, some back and forth with friends about, you know, how businesses are faring doing this. And, and yeah, you do have some that are definitely adapting and changing. Uh, and, and, but you also have some that are attempting to adapt uh, and it, it's it just the nature of where we are in this place right now. It's just really hard. Well, sure. Yeah. Like, I, yeah. I mean, there's some that um, lend themselves more to adapting than, I mean, if you're running, I don't know. It, I mean, the music industry is prime example. Like, it's very difficult to have concerts because people want to stand really close to each other. Yeah. And, like, that's illegal right yeah. now. Yeah. So um, that's a really tricky one to adjust depending and, on the size but yes yeah yeah it could be yeah, yeah depending yeah, on that yeah, yeah. yeah but yeah that's that's difficult so well yeah i think yeah so that's right i was i was i did i spoke with a friend who was in the who was in the arts in, uh, last week and uh yeah that that they, they were i mean that 
the, that whole community is experiencing some challenges. The great thing is, though, I will say that you've seen a lot of organizations and locally like Arts Build yeah. that have stepped up. And uh, I mean, the work James McKessick's doing is, is fantastic to make sure that, you know, they're that the artists, local artists know about information that's out there that can be helpful for them getting through this pandemic. And I know that, you know, I'm an optimist. Uh, I'm wired that way. Uh, but also, I mean, but I, I'm also I recognize that this is, you know, this won't be something that'll be, that'll go away next month, right? We still have a, a little bit longer to, to make it through. And so I think continuing uh, to look for those programs, whether it's something that Arts Build is doing or Collab or the city, especially I think, you know, has a role, but, 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 but in addition to that, some other partners like the community foundation and United well others have, have been really helpful uh, to folks making it through this. And, uh, but no, the, the, I, I'd say for, for businesses, I mean, I, I, I know right now it's, it's hard. Uh, I, I, I know it's hard and uh, I just want to make sure we're encouraging them. One, just, we just need to be encouraging them and supporting them. Right. I think that's really important. Uh, also, you know, to the extent that there are some programs out there that we're, we're, uh, we're, we're, you know, making sure they're mindful of these resources. The other part of this is that we, what we saw a lot of, and, and this is something that, you know, uh, I won't get too platformy. I know we're just having a conversation, but you can we, do it everyone. Well, well, I'll just say we, we've got to make sure that we're doing work to provide the technical assistance that's needed to, uh, help support a businesses. What we saw during even the, the PPP, uh, program was essentially you had people uh, in organizations and businesses that you know from a from a documentation perspective needed a few things to be be, be done and so I, I, having you know, some some guidance some counselors some advisors that can help with with some of that uh, helps right um and so you know we've got to make sure we got we have some technical assistance not just to get through this pandemic but i think for for to be stronger on the other side of this we got to got to ensure that that that's something, and I know that uh, there are a lot of organizations that are thinking about about this as a as a as a as, as a priority as well. So, um, simple question: why, why do you like Chattanooga? Yeah, so that's a great question. So, a couple of things. One, I mean, it it it, it is something about home, right? Mm-hmm. You gotta you gotta appreciate it's your roots. That's my roots, and uh, I. I love seeing some of the growth here. I love seeing some of the change here and the impact that, you know, a few ideas can have on the entire community. Uh, and that it's, it's amazing. I mean, it's, it's one of those places where, and I, I can't remember who said this, but it said it's, you know, it's, um, it's small enough where I think it's small enough where you can, you can have access to people. Uh, but it's large enough where you can you can you can have some ideas and it can it can impact the entire community. So I think that is something I've certainly uh, been it's been great to see. Right? I, I agree with you 100 yeah, yeah, percent on yeah, that that yeah. size. Yeah. So it so it so for me that that has been been great. I do I, I you know I think we are a city that uh, obviously is beautiful here and uh, uh, you know and we've seen so much growth over these past decades. And, and, again, and again, went back to a group of folks who had some ideas around yeah. who we could be. I, I think and that what was the name of that group? You had Venture. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah. uh, and, and so I think what, what I would say is, you know, we, we're now, we've now got to focus on that second part of that story uh, because we've, we, we're, we're touching on some things where 
as a city who we could be. And from an infrastructure perspective, we, we are we, we are a much uh, more environmentally friendly mm-hmm. community, right? It is not it's not how Walter Cronkite described it, right? It is it is uh, you it's know from it, infrastructure. It's either one that called us the, the dirtiest, dirtiest city. city. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> so right. So but now it's it is it is it, we're not that we're, we are we're we're known for outdoors, and so you know infrastructure wise, we're now it's really important from a people perspective. And that's that's what you're calling the second phase. That's the second. I mean, we've got to get that. We got we got to continue to to talk to get get there as well. And we've seen some great investments in that. We again, great partners around the community trying to to get to to get to this. And uh, but but that's one of the reasons why I I've, I've decided to run. I, I feel like we've we have continued to make those investments. Of course, right? We we got to you know uh, uh, make sure that uh, we we have you know continue to make sure downtown is a place for everyone and the living room for all, all, all Chattanoogans um, and people feel included in a sense of belonging there. Um, at the same time, we got to have some neighborhoods that, that also feel like we are investing there as well and know and see that investment as well. And so this is, this is part of the broader story that I think we've got to, we've got to tell where there's opportunity. Uh, we talk about opportunity for all, but it, it really needs to be something where, um, we, we, we have, uh, more and more people feel like, you know, I don't have to leave for opportunity. I feel like I could stay here. I don't have to go to Atlanta. Yeah. I don't have to go to Charlotte or DC for, I can, I can stay here. And, uh, now that I've seen that happen or I know that happens. I talk to friends who, who feel that's the case, but I think, I think we can, we can do that. You've talked, you've talked to friends who are maybe thinking about leaving Chattanooga. Well, for, folks, folks who have left, who have left, who have left and, yeah. and, and a couple still who, who, who thought about that. Right. But, but folks who have left, what are some tangible ideas you have for retaining, uh, Chattanoogans? Yeah. So I think part of it is getting to that heart of really appreciating who we are as a community. If we can talk about that, we're Chattanooga for everyone. And I think that helps. We've got to do the cultural side of this, right. Which is, Really becoming a more inclusive city as a whole. I think systemically, though, we, we that that means also working with some of our partners uh, in both the public and private sector uh, and, and philanthropic partners as well to to ensure that uh, we're looking at talent, that we're creating spaces for people to be connected, that we have the uh, uh, we we are where we're pulling talent, where we're developing talent, how we're uh, investing in talent here locally makes a difference. So it could, you know, ranging from making sure we have some great workforce development programs that are touching more pockets of our community in a way that, uh, you know, we've, we've sort of talked, talked about, but I think being even more, uh, focused, focused on that would be something. I think the early childhood education is something we continue to, to look at. Uh, but, but these are a number of those, those kinds of things we would want to try to talk to Chattanooga's about, uh, and I think the thing that for me that's exciting about running is uh, coming. And so again, I can rattle off twenty ideas and that we're, we've been thinking through, or policies we've been looking at. Yeah, let's do some. Yeah. Well, I, well here's here's what I but here's what I would say. Look, I, I, I going back to my point earlier, I I, I think what I want to make sure we're doing is listening to Chattanoogans about what's important, the most important thing to them, because I can, I can say, and, and oh, we, man. but we've done some research, right? But we, we can say, we know this is a best practice. This can happen. 
but we've got to also make sure it's right for our community. And part of that comes from just listening to folks and understanding. Um, how, how do you, as a Chattanooga, and how do you be heard? Well, a couple of things. One, I think for for from our perspective as, as a as a candidate, we're we're setting up listening sessions and we're we're going across and and having people just you know you know share with us what what uh, again what they see as as opportunities where some challenges might uh, they might have might have faced uh, previously. What, in, in, what's a listening session? So so we we may so we'll we'll have uh, you know. A, a very small number of folks on a maybe on a call or a Zoom or we'll meet in person and talk through some some things and and we wanna we wanna really hear uh, from Chattanooga directly. That's really important. Um, you know, I, I think for you know as we look at in my leadership style, as I mentioned earlier, is one even beyond this campaign. It, it would be one where uh, we're making major policy decisions. We we need to be in neighborhoods. Uh, you know, talking to all stakeholders about about issues so we can we can make sure that we're we're checking our bias we're checking our sort of thoughts of like hey here's this how this is solved and, and listening to people that's when i was city attorney i did that quite a bit uh so we would bring people in and talk through uh different ordinances or policies and get their perspectives on them before we we actually rolled it out and that's just that's just how i, I would do it and that's how i'll continue to do it yeah i really like your background of um attorney mm-hmm for that reason specifically and I like your background of philosophy mm. for listening to people I think that's uh, two qualities that will serve you well in this position well thank you I, you know I for again it is such a big deal uh, and right now more than ever people want to be heard oh I, yeah and, and, I know they yeah. look at Twitter <laughs> yeah they want to be heard and I think it's 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 and, and rightfully so I mean people have something to say and 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 one of the things that I know that uh, going into a role like this and and because there's we we we've got to really work to make sure there's trust and all those other things right that that you know part of those ideas and this is why even as we say well what are these things you're going to do part of this is I want people to know that their ideas show up in our policies. Well, that's well, yeah. that's why I was you know yeah. asking like. just a random Chattanooga and how can they be heard? Like, can they email um, the city? Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So there there are a couple of things. There's got to be a better way than getting on Twitter and and yelling at the city. That's not going to be productive. So a couple of things. One, I I think, uh, so one, you can, you certainly email people can email. You can always email uh, uh, the, the mayor or, uh, members of the administration or or or, or uh, members of the city team about you know particular issues and uh, they're also I mean they're you know depending on you know if it's a natural ordinance uh, the city council does a great job of creating space for citizens to come down and there's a a time that they can actually voice their opinion on ordinances depending on if it's on the agenda or not or particular policies or programs. Uh, but but when we think about uh, sort of our approach to, to leadership, part of this it would include actually depending again on the type of ordinance or the policy is actually creating forms and spaces for people to, to get connected. Uh, that that also might mean that we you know what's been you know one learning out of this pandemic is uh, you you don't have to always be in person 
right, to be able to capture some of this. Mm -hmm. So I, I would certainly see even more virtual town halls and some things like that would allow people to give voice to some to some things. So uh, but I think that this this is this is where uh, you talk about adaptability uh, earlier in terms of the, the pandemic. I think we've we've seen a lot of that. And there are some things that we've learned here that will I, I think we've got to continue uh, going forward because it does create more engagement opportunities uh, for people to have their voices heard. Um, do you think Chattanooga is getting too big or do you think there's room for growth? Um, what do you think about the current size and the trajectory that we may be heading in the future? Yeah. So I, 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 I don't know if we're too big. I think we are, I think we definitely have room to grow. Uh, and I, I think we want to just do it. Uh, we want to, uh, make sure we're smart about that growth. Uh, we want to make sure from an infrastructure perspective, we, we are able to, to provide the resources needed to support that growth. Um, and, uh, you know, that, that when you say infrastructure, do you mean roads, whether it's roads, whether it's sewer, grocery stores, all, 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 of yeah, the sewer all, all, is... all of those things, right. We've got it. We've got to make sure we're, we're providing the resources needed to support it, uh, and partner with, you know, uh, uh you know, our, some of our partners at WWTA and others to, to ensure that to the extent, you know, there's growth in terms of area, then, then we could, we, we're, we're, we're mindful of that as well. But, but right now I think, uh, you, you know, I, I'd say we, we, we can, we should continue to grow. Um, that means there's activity, there's momentum. Uh, people are loving the city. We just want to make sure we're, we're doing it in a way that, uh, you know, uh, you know, you don't look up one day, we're sitting in an hour traffic. That's just, that's just not, that's just not what uh, Chattanooga's expect. And we, yeah. and the great thing is we have a lot of work that's happening now with our friends at TDOT that that's going to help. They're going to help with some of the traffic uh, that we might experience on 24 uh, split out there. But I, I think we are, so, but I think that's, that's how I, I think about the growth. And I think the other part of it is as we think about growth, uh, making sure that we are attractive to everyone. Mm. Right. And uh, we want to, you know, if you are a, um, uh, you know, a single person, no family, any of us, we want you here because mm -hmm. we also times, at times, Chattanooga is a great place to raise a family. It is. It also, we also want to be a place, even if you don't have a family, that you can, you can, you can be, you can feel connected. Uh, it's a great place for startups. It is. But if you are uh, a, uh, you're not in the startup world and you're just, you're coming here, you're being recruited to a large company, right? We also want to be that, that cool place for you as well. So, you know, I, I think that's the, the, when we talk about growth, again, being smart about it on the infrastructure side, but also being attractive to, to people, uh, to all, all folks. Yeah. 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 That's, um, I mean, I came here because I don't have family. I, I just came here and yeah. it's, Chattanooga is very attractive to me. Yeah. You know, I was looking at, Colorado, Asheville, you know, all these places, Portland, whatever, yeah. Austin, but, uh, Chattanooga hit all the boxes. So I'm a, I'm a huge Chattanooga advocate, man. That's great. No, I, I was telling you earlier, I was like, I love hearing those stories, uh, because that, and hearing more and more people, it was a time I would, you know, tell you that I think people felt like if you weren't from here, or you felt like an outsider or that wasn't, <laughs> no, seriously. I mean, there were, no, I, I would, believe I, you. I would, I would hear that. I would hear that <laughs> from people. And, you know, that would 
You still might feel that in the surrounding. You might feel that in Saudi Daisy still. Well, I, I you know, look, I, what what I mean is, it's more, it's more around. Hey, you, you have to get connected and engaged, right? And it wasn't saying you're not trying to go, so you're not. But it, it, I think at at some point, I think people did feel like, hey, if you you weren't connected to the right people, then it was going to be hard for you socially. Mm-hmm. I think we're so much better in that, and I think you know, hearing your story. Um, the fact that, you know, I'm sitting here with you, you've been here five years, you're yeah. getting to know people. I think that just tells us where we're going, right? I think that is, that's exciting. It's a hear. beautiful yeah. thing. Yeah, it really is. Um, so Chattanooga has a lot of rich people and a lot of poor people. Yeah. Um, do you have any ideas on, I mean, how do you feel about that? And uh, seems like a small, I think a strong middle class makes a great city. Yeah. And it seems like we could use a little more middle class. What What are some of your thoughts on that? Yeah, that's one of the reasons why I'm running. I think systemically okay. it is, it is, it is, again, we've seen some great uh, success here from folks and uh, that success should continue. Uh, and at the same time, we've got to make sure we are growing that middle class. And that means making the right investments. Mm-hmm. Some of these investments will be long term, like, uh, early childhood education and, and making sure we're partnering with uh, our, our, our folks over at uh, HCDE, the, 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 the school, uh, the, uh, county schools. At the same time, uh, more short term, we, working with our business sector and our private sector to better understand what their needs are now. And uh, you, whether it's through getting certifications or you know doing some work with the, through our YFD centers or through working with our faith-based partners and others, We've got to begin to get people into into roles that pay a good livable wage, and, and Chattanooga's have. I mean, we've got to have people making making more. Uh, we know that rents uh, continue to, to go up, right? We've 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 just got to we've got to focus on that, and that's no question that we've got to get that done. Um, uh, we, the the other part of this is this, right? I, th- I think, in addition to getting people at a, at a livable wage and and uh, getting folks on at, at particular organizations for, for jobs. We've got to work with our partners in the community to ensure that there's an actual advancement of, of those folks once they're at these organizations, right? It's not enough to get, to get in the door. Uh, we've got to ensure that can, people continue to progress once they're in those four walls. What you will see at a lot of organizations, and a lot of this came to light, right, over the uh, as as organizations share more of their data uh, around, uh, and you see this especially in, in in those who are transparent with their data. You will see organizations where, in terms of demographically uh, around race and ethnicity, organizations will have a lot of uh, a, a larger percentage of of their racial ethnic minorities at more entry level, individual contributor levels. Um, but the higher you go, the less diversity there is. We've, we've got to figure out how to move the needle on that. Uh, you certainly have some ideas and some thoughts. We have some great programs already in the city that folks can take advantage of, but we want to work hand in hand to actually begin to, to, to be thought partners with the chamber and others to, to move, the, move the needle there and, and begin to advance people. That too was a way of growing, uh, growing the middle class. In addition to the, the other things I mentioned around workforce and, um, I, I think, you know, continued investment in some other sort of centers uh, around the community where I, I just, you know, 
we can we can we can leverage them a little bit more. Uh, they're doing some great work now. We can leverage them even more, like uh, again, faith based and yeah. smart nonprofit places as well. Do you think um, home ownership is helpful in getting a stronger middle class? A- absolutely, uh, and I mean that would that is certainly. I was talking with someone yesterday about the financial empowerment of this. Right, it is. Um, it, it, it and and beyond home ownership, right? It is just really understanding uh, wealth creation and closing the economic yeah. gap, right? So part of that is going to be home ownership. Part of that's understanding uh, just or getting more comfortable talking about what how, you know, budgeting, finance, all of those things that come into play that that gets gets you there. Uh, but certainly, home ownership is a is a major part of that. So we, you know, so we'll be talking with with some of our partners like CNE and mm-hmm. others who are who, who, you know who are doing some great work around the community uh, about uh, uh, some some work we can do and then there's some um, some some other sort of practices out there around the country that that we are, we're taking note of uh, again Look, do you have any examples what well, like, was there again well, before I was before I go into all those I think one of the things we want to do though is we want to make sure we listen to mm-hmm. folks because that it, it is we we based on data we can see what some of the the the, the challenges might be but i think what we want to we really want to do Lucas, is, is sit down and, and sort of get some some thoughts or ideas around all right what what is this you know what does this uh, mean right what what what's happening what let's talk through this and then let's let's come up that's that's really practical because the thing that i do realize is what you don't want to do is just come up with a different, a new program, right? It, what I what I found in some of my work, especially in the community, is in neighborhoods, is when there's a desire to say, "Hey, we want we we need a mentoring program here. Uh, I wish we had a mentoring program." We will discover, oh, there are three mentoring programs within a you know yeah. a two mile radius that. But but it's not it hasn't been communicated. That's the problem. And you mentioned CNE and how many people know um, they can work with CNE to get um, to purchase a home. I mean, there's programs. I, I talk to so many people who oh I'd like to have a house someday, but I can't. Yeah. And it's like, you know, there's some loan, there's some zero down loans out there. If you've had a job for a couple of years. Yeah. Um, um, but then on the on the other hand, some people don't want to own a home, and that's one that's hundred percent okay. Yeah. Um, but I I think it all comes down to uh, education. There are, like you said, I didn't even know about the three mentoring programs that were here, and mentorship is so important. And yeah. ha- people and and teaching people how finances work and amortization schedules and interest rates. I mean, I I wish our schools would, would teach these things. Yeah. I, I don't know if they are. My school didn't. Yeah. I um, think, I think there's a desire. So I, I think, uh, you know, uh, there at the state level, I know there was going to be a push, uh, to, to start doing some of this education, uh, in, 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 in communities. Uh, but you know, COVID mm. happened and uh, I think that was, that was pause for the in-person kind of engagement. What I would suspect is I mean I know this is happening right I, I do know that there are some companies that are thinking about this, um, you know, getting into into more communities and neighborhoods to to do this, and that's something that we would we would certainly I mean we're we're going to do I think you know we would do this as 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 a as our administration. What we will want to make sure we're doing though is 
I, I don't like to use the word empower because people have the power, but giving agency, I think, to more people to be a part of uh, the solution. So I could I can certainly envision that, you know, we could train people to help provide some of the, the you know, some of these resources and, and train some of these things. We would want to do that, too. Uh, so it's not all just city. Right. It also ends up being partners and and folks within the communities that uh, we know have built great relationships and trust as well. But, but, uh, I mean, that's, it's, it's really important and people can make their, their decision. I think just making sure that at least we have, we've given and provided the information in a way that is accessible to everybody. It's important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, what are some other major things that you're would like to do if you were made, if you're a mayor? Yeah. I mean, so I, again, I, I think we'll look at the issues around reimagining public safety. Uh, I, I, I do know that, uh, we've, 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 you know, I, I, if when you've worked when you've worked with, I mean, if I if I'm when you work with me a little bit, some people will say, well, you know, what's the worst answer you can give me? And and the answer really is because we've always done it that way. Yeah. And so here's the thing that I know because because we've always, <laughs> yeah. here's the thing that I would say is we've got some awesome awesome folks in law enforcement, and who I I I, I mean I have had a chance to engage and work with and for my five years. And even before that, working in community around public safety has been. And I also know that we, we might be asking of them to do too much on some, some areas, right? Some areas. So I think we've got to really take a step back and say, are what are those things that we might be able to do a little bit differently here and so I think part of that is again engaging the public and building some of the trust uh, that we know is that can be some challenges. Uh, it is a challenge in in, in, uh, in some areas, and so I think you know having those conversations around what that looks like. Uh, again, there are some some programs uh, like in Eugene, Oregon, something called it's a program called Cahoots. That it's called Cahoots. It's, it's pretty funny, but yeah, it's, it's called good. Cahoots. Yeah. But it, but it does look at you know looking at things like social services. Uh, you try to try to get more social services folks out with. Uh, Officers and and what yes. they've seen, I think, is some reduction in calls to officers versus calls to social workers, and and I think that's been a little cost savings around that. I think that's going to be important. The other thing that I would say is infrastructure, infrastructure, infrastructure. Like the sidewalks, paving is is a huge. That's a huge deal. I think we want to again thinking about the neighborhoods out there that might not have felt like they, they're getting the kind of investment. Uh, there's some uh, opportunity there to. There's lots of opportunity. There. Lots of opportunity there, right? So I think I think, but 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 pulling, giving again, going back to giving voice. Uh, so it's not just hey, here's where the city's going next, right? And and coming out here's is, and and I I know that's I, I know that uh, with uh, uh, the current administration and city council, they are very attuned to that. I, I think we would want to build on the work. That, I mean, they have already invested a good amount of paving. I mean, this every year you should know that uh, there's been more paving money in the budget. And so we would want to build on that and, yeah. and, and, and even, and, but, and look at, at our decision process a little differently perhaps. But, but again, I think they've laid a great foundation from us to, from which we can, we could build on. Cause they've been working, Look, I've been, I was in those city council meetings. They've been working hard on it. This is something that also I know is a priority for, has been a priority for the current administration. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, they did a really good job on the MLK Street project, yeah. reducing it to one lane, adding bike lanes. Yeah. And I, um, I believe the plan is to go all the way to the tunnel. 
Is that what's? Are you familiar with that? Well, I know at some point there was a there was some discussion around how far to go. I know there was some engagement with Highland Park. I, I don't know the current status of that, uh, yeah. but but I, I know there was some engagement with some some neighborhoods to uh, get their input on on some of uh, on this. This the, I think that's the part where it, you know I I, I love seeing uh, you know citizens come in and talk about how they felt about yeah. these things and you know. I had the privilege of sitting there and listening and uh, it, it was, it was democracy in action, man. I, I loved, I loved hearing that and that input. And uh, sometimes it would, it would, it, I would, say, so it would certainly, I know the council members would, would really think about, about, you know, some of the decisions they were making and it would influence them. And um, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And they um, also the river walk, they, are supposed to be putting in um, a connection trail to Alton Park. Yeah, and and so that's you know that's one of those the Riverwalk itself, man. I mean, we've got to just take a moment to think about how impactful that's been and the extension, and I, I think it's just been amazing. And I think the part where you know I, again I'm not gonna go too much into this, but I, I think creating these spaces, uh, these amenities, these these. Uh, connection points of connection for all, all of our neighborhoods is mm-hmm. really important. Uh, you talk, we talked about like just going for walks earlier, right? Yeah. You've got to create spaces for that for people to feel like they can go out and get that that activity, that self care, uh, building community. Uh, we've got to do that for more of our, our neighborhoods. Uh, and the thing I, I will tell you too, though, you talk about what are those big things. The 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 number one thing that we want to do day one is just make sure that people are and remain safe, mm-hmm. right? That that's is, your, that's your first, that we, we've, we've got to, we've got to make sure we're getting through, um, this pandemic in a way that Chattanooga's feel and know that they're safe and that. And that for me means, you know, doing what we, what we can as a city, but a lot of it's going to be just us partnering too with some of our local and state, uh, partners, right. To, to ensure that we're doing everything we can to, to keep keep folks safe, that means again. I mentioned the things around business. What what are those opportunities we can we can provide to support businesses? Uh, certainly, getting information out. Uh, there's great great grant pro- programs that are happening. Uh, nonprofits continue to work with with uh, folks like the United Way and Community Foundation to support what we can there as well. Are you um, talking about uh, the pandemic as far as? Um um, health safety or, or are you talking about all, violence? All, 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 all of that. I mean, we've got it. I mean, all of that sort of is, we know we've seen a spike in violence, mm-hmm. um, and, uh, and crime period rather. And so we've, we've, we, all of that is, I think part of when we have these conversations at times, people say, well, what are you going to do about this particular issue? And what we, you know, is that really a lot of this is connected. And it's, it's, you got to take a holistic approach to it. Mm-hmm. You know, you won't address public safety by saying, hey, we're going to hire 20 police officers and that's going to do it. Or we're going to hire, you know, so we've, we've got to look at this holistically and, uh, and, and pull the levers. And it's going to be different for different uh, um, communities, depending on where we are and what, what the needs are. And again, part of that comes from listening and looking at the data to help us uh, inform some of those decisions. But um but but yeah, when we talk about pandemic, we're talking about about it all. But we've we've got to we've got to make sure Chattanooga know we will get through this. We will be better. We will be stronger. Um, and you know we're going to have this is this will be number one for folks. And 
that is also making sure we're, we're talking about the impact that is, is having. We talked earlier about just, you know, how hard this is. You know, we, a lot of people don't talk about the mental health aspect of this, right? This has been really challenging for folks. And, a, lot, and, a lot of people getting divorces, a lot yeah. of people suicide, a lot of people depressed. You, you, all, all of those things. And the, I mean, and you, you add on to that, uh, especially for, for folks uh, in a black community, the trauma of, you know, the murder of George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery, uh, Rihanna Taylor. So you have all of these things happening. Uh, the anxiety even around the election. So it, it, it is, there are a lot of things happening. We've got to make sure we're paying attention to lifting up the mental health component of this as well. The self-care is important. What that looks like, we've got to, you know, be open about that. And it's going to look different for, for different people. Um, I mean, you, you, what, you, what might work, work for you might not work for me, but we've got to at least stress the importance of, of that as we make it through this. And we will make it through it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And But I'm going to put a little uh, side note. Um, physical exercise is the quickest way to improve mental health. Yeah, yeah. Well, and the, yes, you, 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 convinced, you convinced me on that. Yes, yeah, so I got I, it. But, well, it, it's, look, it's, a, it's a couple of things, one, I think. Yeah. It's, a, it's a component, but I, do, component. I do believe it's the quickest uh, Band-Aid fix or whatever you yeah. want to say. But yeah. it, it, for me, I, it was it, it, physical activity is certainly a huge relief for, for stress and getting out and just walking, man. It makes, it makes such a big difference. Uh, meditation is one. Right. Yeah, um, and yeah. then uh, we, you know, just uh, I, I always encourage counseling as well as yes. being a place uh, for folks to uh, to make sure they're taking advantage of journaling. But I think just just the importance of uh, this particular topic, I, I think for so long, we we just say, you know, get through it. You'll be no, OK. No, yeah, and and it, it's not that's not that's not very real. And I think it's not really being empathetic to where folks are. We know that folks who are especially Again, I talked about parents and caregivers earlier who are struggling, uh, yeah. and, and, and even but even if you're even if you're not, even if you but if you live by yourself, right? You, you've been in in this space at times by yourself. If you are high risk, you haven't been around folks. So social engagement interaction yeah. has been a challenge. We got to be very real and honest with ourselves about about this, and so we we will certainly be lifting it up to make sure we uh, we talk about that uh, in a way that people know. We, 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 we are here. We know, we know what they're experiencing. We know, we at least can acknowledge, acknowledge it. Yeah. Yeah, that, yeah. We're social creatures and that's uh, very difficult when we're told to social distance. And my friend Cody said it the best. He said it, that's bad marketing. We should be physically distancing six feet, yeah. but we shouldn't be socially distancing. N- now it's more than ever. We need to be, um, we we just need social interaction. That's right. And I think it's easier in some ways. It's funny. Well, I don't want to say easier, but it, it is because of the Zoom and, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, technology, technology allows us to, uh, to to connect in a way that, uh, you, you know, um, and I think I know people are getting Zoomed out. Yeah. <laughs> right? I, know people, I know that's <laughs> I, I talk to folks. I talk to people. They're like, man, I'm on meetings from 730 to like 830, 930. Yeah. And they're worn out. And because you're really accessible. Uh, so I think it's also important for organizations and companies to appreciate that you're seeing some burnout with that, with, with organizations that are, uh, people yeah. are working harder, uh, longer. And, uh, again, at times, if you have, uh, someone you're taking care of at home, you don't have that same kind of break and it really weighs on you a bit. So, uh, so, you know, I think, I think that's, that's a very real, real thing, but, but, uh, yeah, but, but you're right that the, the, the 
it, it is about physically distancing yourself rather than socially. We want to make sure you're engaging uh, with folks and that, that, that helps. Yeah. yeah. Well, do you have any, um, anything else you want to, um, tell the listeners before we wrap this up? Yeah. So I would just, first of all, thank you for having me. Oh, I really welcome. appreciate that. I should have said that from now that I really appreciate being here. Well, it's and, my pleasure. I'm yeah. very honored to have you on the show. This is, I've been looking forward to this and, um, Thank you for taking time out of your busy day to, to talk to a, a no-name uh, kid from Michigan. Well, first that. of all, you were Chattanooga. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's true. That's, you're Chattanooga. You. And so, uh, no, man, it, the, the pleasure's been mine. I think, again, uh, hearing that you are here, you chose here, and you've been active and getting engaged here, is that, that warms my heart. I think we've got uh, continue to have more and more of those stories out there. Um, and, uh, and, and, you know, in some ways it, it also makes Chattanooga's maybe appreciate their city a little bit more as well as people are, are, are coming here. Look, what I'll say is I'm excited about this campaign, uh, more so because I mean, I think of, of what we're doing now, I'm getting a chance to hear your perspective on some things. Uh, I, I get a chance to listen and I, I am looking forward to having a lot of these conversations over the coming months. And we're we're also looking forward to taking those ideas, what we've heard and making sure people know that they're going to show up in our administration and how we operate, how we lead, period. Um, We you know, there are a lot of other things that I would I would say, uh, you know, a lot of folks say we we, they bring folks together. And I I think that's we're we're, I think as camp as 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 uh, folks who are running for office, we're supposed to say that, hey, we bring. But I've, I've actually had I've, I've done that in a real way where I mean, when I, I, I you know, when I, I felt like, wow, you know, it's, it's really hard for uh, felons who have lost their right to vote to understand how to get those rights restored. Uh, I got together with some friends. We built out a platform called RestoreMyRights.com to help them navigate, at least understand how do you restore my how do I get my rights restored? How do I expunge my record uh, here? Uh and uh, when I felt like, and I had to bring people around the table to help get that done, right, from different uh, parts of the law enforcement, uh, law the different agencies, when I felt like, you know, me and a same six or seven African-Americans were being asked to serve on nonprofit boards in the city. So wait a minute, there are a lot of people out there that aren't being asked, and I know they're talented, uh, and, and it's not reflecting our diversity, created a platform called Board Connector. And we're, we've, we've made dozens and dozens of matches uh, for nonprofits where, again, people who had never been asked to serve uh, are now really doing well. And they, they really are having the connections, but, but also leading in a different way, not just on the nonprofit side, but in the community side, but also back in their, their, uh, their organizations. Uh, when, you know, we, we thought we needed to do some things around voting, we created Go Vote CHA. So uh, when I felt like there wasn't diversity in, in the legal profession, we helped create a legal diversity consortium uh, to help diversify the pipeline, which 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 we're, we're doing and law firms are, are hiring. So I, so it really is about, you know, listening, understanding what the challenges are, but more importantly, coming to coming up with solutions that 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 not just me and a few others, but others have a stake in and that's the kind of city I want to lead. And I think that's the kind of, that's the kind of mayor I will be. Uh, so folks will know, um, when, when we're out there 
know that your ideas are not just going into some spreadsheet, uh, mm-hmm. but they're they're going to they're going to show up. So I'm looking forward to it. And if people want more information, they can go to wadehinton.com and uh, and look forward to engaging over these next few months. All right. Well, um, it it was my pleasure to have you on on the show. I really enjoyed getting to know you. Um, thanks for taking time out in your day. Okay. Thanks, Luke. I appreciate it. Yeah. All right. Take care, bro. You too. And there you have it. That's Wade Hinton, everybody. Hope you enjoyed that. I learned a lot about him, and I hope you did as well. If you like the podcast, please tell your friends. Chattanooga is such a small town, so word of mouth is really the best way to spread what's happening over here on the podcast. You can also give us five stars on Apple Podcasts or write a review. Other than that, we'll see you next Friday. Bye.